It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, shit. Oh, hold on. I'm an idiot. That's definitely going to have to go on the podcast. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I had my seat geek copy ready, and then I closed out the, the window. So I had to go back and find what it again. a moron. Okay. Looking forward to getting called out in a podcast. Yep. <laughs> you are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day, especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth, you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth, they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth, you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah, blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Melis. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are here for you Monday through Friday. Today is the Tuesday show with the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Jay King, your boy, as you like to call yourself uh, <laughs> when you do the intros. Um, My dad always makes fun of me for that. Yeah, well, you got to have a thing. It's a shtick. You're, you, you know. Uh, it works for you. I don't do I don't do shticks. That's that's the real that's the real me. That's the real your boy. Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Today, me and your boy, we're going to be talking about Celtics opponents, potential opponents, and does it matter who the Celtics are going to play in the first round of the playoffs? Some interesting statistics there, and then we'll talk about a great piece by Ryan Bernadoni at Danger Cart, or as I like to think of, at Dan Jerkhart, as just a guy named whose name is Dan and Jerkhart. But he put a great piece together on a on the Celtics two for ones, not just the Celtics two for ones, the entire league, and and that whole concept. I I, I kind of it's very wonkish basketball nerd stuff. So we're gonna get really deep into that, and then we're gonna go back to that seventy point game because some interesting comments being made. All of this entire discussion is brought to you today by SeatGeek. They make buying tickets easy. They just eliminate the confusion from a very confusing process. And now they have this great app that lets you buy and sell tickets. And you can get tickets to your favorite games really easily. More on that in a bit. But let's just dive into uh, this BPI, it's called. And it comes from Chris Forsberg. They ran the numbers, and he has a post on ESPNBoston.com. It's titled, Which Foe Should Celtics Desire in First Round of Playoffs? And so he broke it all down, Jay. And the real interesting thing is the odds look basically exactly the same for almost every opponent. In fact, the team right now that I don't think is even in it, the Charlotte Hornets, are probably the worst matchup. Everybody else, everything, the Celtics have a mid to high 70% chance, according to these ratings, of beating all of these other teams, Chicago, Indy, Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta, Miami. 
So what's your take on this? Uh, I mean, look, if you're worth a damn, you are going to beat any of those teams. And if you're playing well and if you're healthy, then the Celtics, I don't think they should get a real scare in the first round. The The big concern to me is like, like even with the Raptors last year, like they, the Raptors last year were much better than the Pacers who they played in the first round. They were much better than whoever the hell it was. They played in the second round. I'm forgetting <laughs> right now, but, but th- those teams both took them to long series because the Raptors, like they hadn't learned how to win a playoff series yet. And as good as the Celtics have been lately, as good as they've been this year, they, they're right now in a virtual tie for the top of the Eastern conference. As we, as we record this, Cleveland's playing San Antonio. So the Celtics could take sole possession of first later tonight on Monday night. But so, so that's the concern. They still haven't won a playoff series under Brad Stevens. Like Isaiah Thomas, has never gotten out of the first round. Jay Crowder has never been a key piece of a team that's gotten out of the first round. Al Horford's the only one, really, who, who's gone on a deep run. And he's never made the finals. And he did it for a different team. So yeah, but when, how when much... you look at their whole roster, and I, I think that matters. Like, learning how to close teams out. Even even the 08 Celtics, remember? Like, it took them a while to learn, like... Okay, we we can't play with teams. We we got to close guys out. We got to win on the road too. Like I think that really matters in the playoffs. Sure, and, and I agree with you there because they had that Hawk series that was just a mess. It wasn't until the Detroit series where they finally won a game on the road. We were we were like, oh okay, phew, they can do it. That that's understandable. I, I get all that. There's some element to that, but there were some conversation today on Twitter that I had that it looks at the past history and how much. Does past history play into what we can expect in the future? Yeah, it would be great. We want to have that that closing uh, ability. And judging from the Celtics this year, that's the one thing they've had real, real problem with is closing teams out just in individual games. It's hard for them to do that. How is that going to happen in the playoffs when they meet uh, a Pacers team that's not you know not a stranger? Paul George is been around for a while he's won a a few things at least not not at the nba level but he's at least won a gold medal and and so he's he's around he he, he's been through this uh the milwaukee bucks are are really new so they're not really going to be scary in that uh the miami heat sure spolster's been through those things so he knows and he he might have some tricks for those guys but eh, none of that really bothers me and they're sneaking good though man the they team, are sneaky good, but they're, they're like they're, they're almost they remind me of the Celtics two years ago before any of their guys had really made a name for themselves. Like they were everybody thought they were just playing over their heads and, and maybe they were at the time. But since Isaiah Thomas has developed into an all star, Jay Crowder has become like su- super valuable two way piece. Like a lot has changed for them in those two years. But the Heat are kind of like that team where. They all play together. They play hard as hell, and they give teams issues. I, I don't know if they would – I don't think they would beat the Celtics in a series. I don't think they have enough talent, especially on the wing, to do so. But that that's a good team. That like They're actually pretty good. Yeah, they, they don't suck. And they're early – what was it, 11 and 30 that they were at the beginning. That was for you know different reasons, but they, they don't suck. They're, they're back in the mix and just a few games out of uh, – reaching the 500 mark. But my point is last year, the Celtics didn't get out of the first round. Why? Well, Avery Bradley was hurt. Jay Crowder was hobbled and the Hawks were able to blitz Isaiah Thomas with no repercussions. And that, that matters. Now maybe the Celtics would have still lost that series, but it wouldn't have gone down like, like it did. It, they would have had at least, if Crowder was at 100% and, uh, and they lost a Linux, they lost – I mean, they, they if this team was 100%, they would have at least been uh, more competitive. Whether you think they would have won the series or not, we can at least say they would have been more competitive. So that matters. The way the Celtics are playing now, if they can stay healthy now and go into the playoffs with a bit of momentum – that changes a, a lot of that dynamic. So I feel a lot more confident in them being able to close out our first round series. Now, maybe the stuff you're talking about comes more into play 
in the second round, if they end up playing the Raptors or, you know, even against the Wizards, that is a, a little bit tougher to do because those teams are so much more talented. And especially the Raptors, they have been there before. So that changes the dynamic a little bit. But I'm not so worried about past performance when it comes to first-round opponent. Yeah, and I, I think that there's nobody they could play in the first round that, that really scares you. Obviously, Paul George is great. Jimmy Butler is great. Uh, the Heat have been playing. I think the Heat would be the one team that w- I would least like to play if I'm the Celtics because it- they play hard. They'll wear you out. They'll, they've got guys to chase around Isaiah Thomas and chase around everybody else, and they'll pick up full court, and it'll be a tough series because they're, that's a tough, tough team. So to, to me, the Heat are the one team, even though they don't have that superstar like Paul George or Jimmy Butler who can take over a game or two and maybe win a game or two by himself, they, they have just the, the full team aspect of it to me. Like they they could really they could they could wear you down. Like they pick up full court as an NBA team. Like picking up full court, they're they're fun to watch, man. But but honestly, especially if Millsap is hurt. News came out tonight that Paul Millsap had a non-surgical procedure on his knee and will miss at least three games. So the Hawks, you know, I think they're kind of scary if they're fully healthy. But if they don't have Millsap and if they don't have Millsap at full strength then that, that's not too worrisome of a series either. I, I think the Celtics, like the BPI thing said, like they, should, they will be heavy favorites in the first round. They should get out of the first round. If they don't get out of the first round this season for, for all it's brought for the Isaiah Thomas climb, the improvements of everybody else, Jalen Brown solidifying himself as a solid rotation player, all of it, this will be a, a – I don't want to call it a failure because some things – have happened anyway that that will help in the future some progress but that that would be a huge disappointment it would yeah yeah huge disappointment it'd be a a massive disappointment and that's of course it would of course it would provided that they're a fully healthy team and they go in fully healthy and somehow they lose that would be a real big disappointment chicago indy Milwaukee, Atlanta, Detroit, Charlotte, Miami. God, if you lose four out of seven games to one of those seven teams, that's a problem to me. Uh, and that fire that, Brad Stevens. <laughs> fire I wouldn't, Danny Ainge. <laughs> I, I, I I wouldn't go as far as I know that that's what the sports talk radio that would absolutely be dominant on sports talk radio. <laughs> it would be stupid. But there would be at least there's nothing I'd be able to say in the immediate aftermath. Be like you just got to let that fire burn itself out. So I do think if I'm looking at just potential opponents and things, I I might want to see Milwaukee more than anybody, just because Greek Freak and I, I think that's just a, a fun a fun team to to match up against. I think it'd be so fun you, to see those games. You're in favor of the Celtics playing the best player they could play against. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's different. It just I'm talking about just fun, just a fun series. We're we just we just went through this whole ten minutes of saying none of these teams scare us. So what does it matter if they go? And first of all, you're putting him over Paul George. Yes, yes, absolutely. He's had a much better season. Okay, interesting. Uh, I think Paul George is, is still kind of like the better player. Just. I'm more I'm more afraid of Paul George in the playoffs than I am Antetokounmpo. He's he's young. He, I, he's inexperienced. I, I feel like the moment might get to him a little bit, but I could be wrong. You know who else was young, young and in, inexperienced? Kawhi Wet- Leonard when he won Finals MVP. <laughs> Giannis is a stud, man. Giannis, okay. Giannis okay. is an absolute stud. And and every year okay. it seems like like there's that that guy who has his, the breakout playoffs, right? Like sure. The guy everyone knows is great. It was Paul George like three years ago, wasn't it? Where yeah. he he played LeBron tough and killed everyone else and was just two way killer, and that was kind of his coming out party. I could see Giannis like taking the playoffs by storm and throwing up triple doubles 
and Duncan from close to the foul line and just doing some wild nonsense like I just saw LeBron James do while I'm watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> he just dunked. I think it was on, on Pal Gasol, maybe, maybe, maybe David Lee, our old friend uh, Derek Lee. Our old friend Derek Lee, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I, we can say what we want about Giannis, and maybe he'll dominate, but still the Bucks won't have much of a chance. It'd still be fun to go see, though. And you could go see them. There, once upon a time, getting playoff tickets seemed impossible, but now it's very possible when you use SeatGeek to go get your playoff tickets. Or you can watch one of the games that's coming up because there's still a lot of a lot of basketball to watch. They've got, what, three, four, five more home games. One of those games is the Milwaukee Bucks at the end of the season. So maybe you want to go get a little bit of a playoff preview. But however it is, however you want to do it, SeatGeek has come along and they've made this uh, website and an app that are very easy for, the, for you to use. I know, Jay, you've used it. I have used it. Uh, I, I use it a bunch to check out. May, I'll, even if I don't buy the tickets, I get to see if I, I'm interested in the deals that are available. And it applies to basketball, playoff basketball. You could probably, I'd assume, go to if you really want to get in to see a potential upset in March Madness. You could, if you're around, go check that out. You can go to anything a concert, a show, anything. Just go to SeatGeek, open up the app, or go to the website. You get a couple of things. They'll code everything red, yellow, green so you can see where the deals are. You can set an alert so you know when the price drops so you can get a better deal. You can click on it and see where in the arena you'll be sitting, get a little idea of how your view is going to be if you're going to an arena you've never been to or if you're visiting Boston and you've never been to the garden. You can kind of see where you'll be sitting before you buy the tickets. And they do everything for you. They don't try to shove a surprise fee up there. You'll know everything that you're going to pay before you actually click to pay anything. But the best part is you'll pay $20 less in effect by following these simple instructions. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab. Click add a promo code. Enter LOCELTICS. Buy your tickets. SeatGeek will send you $20 back after you've made your first ticket purchase. So essentially you go, you buy your tickets, you enter the promo code LO Celtics, and then they'll send you the $20 back. You could use that to go buy like beers and, and some food at the game. It's a very easy thing to do. So go download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code LO Celtics today. You will not be sorry. So that was, that was uh, a solid read. Solid. Thank read you. There. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> the, uh, uh, so I guess when it comes to this BPI, which I don't know, can we explain what BPI is? Some sort of mathematical formula to determine which team has the best odds of beating other teams. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, basketball power index is what it's short for. I believe. There you go. Okay. So I don't know the exact numbers of it though. How further. Further in, yeah, I, I can't understand. Sometimes I don't understand the mechanisms of it. I just look at the formula. I look at the the results. I'm, I've come a long way when it comes to some of these things. I used to be such a kind of anti analytics, not quite Charles Barkley esque, but like at the beginning, I was like, look, I can see the game. I can see it. You don't need to throw all this calculus at me. I don't need that. I didn't. There's a reason why I stopped taking calculus. In high school, like that, I I don't let's, see it. Let's not lie, John. You never reached calculus. I did reach calculus. You, I don't think you reached calculus. I did. I did. Uh, that can be confirmed. That is easily <laughs> confirmable information. I didn't do very well in calculus. I damn near failed calculus, but I was there. Oh, trust me. I've got the mental scars from calculus in my senior year of high school. Charles E. Shea, Pawtucket, Rhode Island. It may not be the best calculus, but it was there. Uh, but beyond the uh, first round matchups in Forsberg's piece, the according to the BPI, he says Celtics ought to desire to line up against the Washington Wizards over the Raptors in a Wizards series. Celtics are 65, 35 uh, percent uh, favorites to uh, in, in that series. And the Raptors hold a 54 percent to 46 percent 
odds of winning advantage. So I guess what we're looking at is hopefully the Celtics fall into a slot one or two where they will end up facing the Wizards. I think the Wizards will actually fall to fourth. So I think the Celtics getting the top seed would work out because the Raptors are just one game behind, but the, the Wizards have this road trip that that's coming up. The, right now, as we speak, Raptors are blowing out the Orlando Magic. So they could, they could end up being tied in, in a couple of days. So I think when it all shakes out, the Celtics could get that top speed and will want that top seed because I think Washington's going to finish fourth. Yeah, it's possible. It, it's it's funny because <laughs> us us reporters we check the standings every night not to see who the Celtics will play, but to see what city will go. We might go to. And <laughs> for for a while, we were rooting for like wins or losses or whatever to get a Miami series in in round one. Now it's like you don't know whether the Celtics are going to finish one or two. The six, seven, eight, and now five with Atlanta is just so jumbled that you don't know what the heck's going on. So I, we don't know what to root for anymore when we're when we're rooting for the cities. <laughs> so so I don't think the Celtics know who to root for when they're looking to play either the Raptors or the Wizards. Whatever I I think, just whatever happens, happens, man. It, it, it is it is going to happen. I do think. The Raptors, if Kyle Lowry comes back healthy, that is a dangerous, dangerous team. The only thing they were missing at the beginning of the season was an elite defense. And then they added P.J. Tucker, they added Serge Ibaka, and they have been stopping everybody lately. With Even without Lowry, they have seven wins in their last ten games. Their defense is top five since the All-Star break. All without Lowry, who's one of the best defensive point cards in the league and also an all-star for what he does at the offensive end. Like they are, they shit. They might be, they <laughs> might be, this is blasphemous. They might be the best team in the Eastern conference. I don't think they would beat the Cavs because LeBron James is so damn good, but the Raptors are very, very good. And, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm overrating what they'll be. Maybe it'll take them a while to reincorporate Lowry who has never played with two of the guys in his starting or two of the guys in his closing lineup. So we'll see, but but the Raptors are a scary, scary team right now, I think. I was just looking at the Miami schedule just to kind of figure out what they're what what we might might be up against. They close their season, their last four games at Toronto, at Washington, at home against Cleveland, and at home against Washington. That is going to be a very tough stretch for the Miami Heat. Miami is going to be the key to the entire Eastern Conference seeding. That's that's kind of crazy. You know, just imagine Wall in that final game. A, a, a Washington win can change the seed. They could they could push Miami out or push them in, and it's going to be either Miami or Detroit that you have to go to. And the, the ball is up in the air. And if it goes in, Detroit is in. And if it goes out, Miami is in. How much are you shitting yourself when that ball is in the air? Don't send me to Detroit, guys. Do not <laughs> send me to Detroit. Um, all right. So that's a little look at BPI and who the Celtics might want to face in, in the playoffs. At, at this point, though, it's so like you said, it's so convoluted. It doesn't really matter. Let's turn our attention to this great in-depth piece by Ryan Bernadoni on Celtics Hub. How bad are the Celtics at executing two-for-one situations? Which, for those of you who uh, aren't fully aware, two-for-one situation is, is, is an end of quarter, end of first, second, or third quarter spot where you have the ball and it's somewhere less than 40 seconds on the clock. And the goal is to get a shot within that next eight or nine seconds, ideally, so you can get the ball back after you theoretically have stopped the other team and rebounded so you can get another possession. So you're essentially, with the 24-second shot clock, there's – 
two two possessions there within 48 seconds. You get one, they get one. That's the end of the the, the period. But if you pull two for one, you can get that shot. They can get their shot, and then you can get that one last shot back. It's an opportunity to get a few extra possessions. You never know when that's going to win the game. The Celtics have been pretty terrible at doing this. They have been so damn bad at doing this. It's it's reached comical levels where they you see them with the ball, especially if Isaiah's not on the floor, with 37 seconds, and they just pass up opportunities. They they don't take good shots. They dribble things out. Next thing you know, they've dribbled it down to like 27, 26 seconds. You're like, this is crazy. And I remember watching Brad Stevens losing his shit because Terry Rozier, oh, oh no, it was Jalen Brown. It was the Jalen Brown situation. Uh, I forget which game it was, Jay. But Jalen Brown botched two two-for-one situations, one with a charge and oh, one with <laughs> taking a, a, a three when the ball bounced out to him. It, it's poor clock awareness. I, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if that was a two-for-one situation. It might have been. They both were. Like they could have held the last shot, and he just decided to – Chuck a three on one turn, one possession and trample someone on another. And Brad, like you said, was just fuming on the sidelines. But yeah, in addition to two for ones, like every end of quarter situation has just been an adventure. I would say, I would say mostly in the first and third quarters, which is when Isaiah Thomas is usually on the bench. That's when things have really been bad. Whether it's Terry Rozier or Marcus Smart handling the ball and running the offense, the Celtics have not always kept their composure in those moments. <laughs> yeah. And, and and you look at the third quarter, the end of third quarter against Philly, which was a complete debacle. And not necessarily in this type of exact two-for-one situation, but it was just the end of the quarter, which was just bad. So a couple of things here. The, the Celtics, according to Ryan's uh, analysis, are, let's see, 12th worst in in the league in these situations and that's a a symptom of a bigger problem at the end of quarters so the question becomes does brad stevens knowing this you don't have to have this analysis which is very in-depth does brad stevens think of a way to end quarters with isaiah just somehow get isaiah on the floor do you pull isaiah out earlier in the first and then get him back in in the last two minutes just so you can avoid these situations and have your best guy on the floor so you don't have screw-ups. I don't think so. I mean, two for one, yes, it probably gives you a, a slight advantage if you execute it correctly. If you don't, I like it's not like this huge, huge fatal loss. Um and and considering that that's normally when he gets rest and you'd have to break up the normal patterns of substitution, it doesn't seem to me to be something that Stevens will overreact to. I I do wonder, like like we've talked about on the podcast before, whether the playoff rotation will be the same and will include both Smart and Rozier. I, I wonder if Rozier will be on the outskirts of that. You know, he was a DMPCD in the first half against Miami. He had a DMPCD the previous game. Uh, it, it looks like perhaps we're trending toward Terry Rozier not being in the playoff rotation. So maybe it'll be different with, with a different group of guys out there. Maybe the rotation will be slightly different in the playoffs. They'll play more minutes to the starters. Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, maybe one of those guys will be able to calm people down in those moments on the court. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like this enormous issue, but it's been a persistent issue that has kept them from from maximizing. And, and this is one thing Stevens has said a lot of times. It's just he doesn't think the Celtics have maximized themselves. And part of like you said earlier, like they just can't push out big leads and and go on to blow teams out. Like they they had a 10-point lead at the beginning of the fourth quarter against Miami. Boom, it's gone. All bench lineup gives up some of it. Uh, Isaiah Thomas comes back in four minutes later and the lead is down to two and then Miami t- hits a three on the next possession to go ahead by one and the Celtics need to dig one out instead of winning comfortably like that's been something that has haunted them all season is they just cannot they don't have 
consistency within games to to really push out leads and extend leads and, and close teams out early. And part of that is the end of quarter situations. But I think I think no matter when those groups are playing with with more bench guys, they they've been pretty unsuccessful. Uh, and obviously they they've started to stagger guys lately. Al Horford has been playing with bench lineups, and those have been pretty successful. So we'll see what happens in the playoffs if they change their lineups a little bit but that that's until they get that in-game consistency as steven said they're not going to maximize themselves and maybe that's just not in the cards maybe it's just they don't have the 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 depth and they don't have enough quality lineups to play a full 48 minutes every game and maybe that's just it but but the end of quarters have been have been rough whenever Isaiah Thomas is out there. And when he's when he is out there, like fourth quarters, they've executed so well. We saw it against Miami. Like they down the stretch, they executed delightfully. They were they were just kicking Miami's butt down the stretch. And and they've done that throughout fourth quarters for most of the year. Like they've been really great in crunch time. They've been really great in fourth quarters. It's just the end of the first and third have been have been very hideous at times <laughs> yes that's one way to put it well and th- and this is why i i wonder if the the lineups and the the substitution pattern would change a little bit in the playoffs we know that teams are going to give their guys their star guys more minutes so the, the rotation shortens and guys who have been playing 35 minutes a game end up playing 38 minutes a game so I just wonder if a, a shorter stint for Isaiah in a 12-minute first quarter, you you play six or seven minutes, sit for a minute, get back out there, play the last three or four, get that quarter break, then sit to start a little bit of that second quarter, and then come back in midway through the second and just take charge into the into halftime. I, I just if if we're looking to fix things that are are problematic if end of quarter situations are and they have been so problematic for the Celtics and caused them to give up big leads maybe the the answer is somewhere in the middle there where there's not that ticking clock that you know as we get to 40 some odd seconds or whatever under a minute that gets teams so riled up that I don't know maybe it's just a thing maybe it's just uh something that Brad Stevens might do. It's, it's an opportunity to get him a little bit more time in the right situations. Just and maybe not. You have a, you have a very good point. Why screw up the minutes if you're going to, you know, if, if the players are used to it, but I don't think Terry Rozier is going to get many minutes in the playoffs unless he's pressed into service for some reason, an injury or foul trouble, or they they have somehow magically built up a, a huge lead and he can get some, garbage time run but that's the only thing i see from terry rozier all they need to do is is unleash marcus smart and his heaps because all of a sudden he's (laughs) one for his last one on heaps (laughs) watch out world marcus smart is on fire with wild end of quarter attempts yes he is (laughs) um Okay, let's uh, before we wrap things up, a couple of things. Uh, Jay, why don't you take it from here? The comments from who was it on the uh, Phoenix Suns celebrating Ken- this? So Kenyon Martin was an old teammate of Tyson Chandler's, and was on Colin Coward's show, and and just decided to to say that he is very very disappointed in Tyson Chandler for allowing the Phoenix Suns and leading the Phoenix Suns in celebration of Devin Booker's 70-point game. Kenyon Martin, former tough guy of the NBA, does does not appreciate a team celebrating after getting its ass kicked by the Boston Celtics. So I, I, I kind of uh, – so I, I've always been a big if you lose, shut up. Like there's nothing to celebrate. You got your ass kicked. Go back to Phoenix. Go back wherever you came from. Just just leave silently. Doesn't matter what you did individually. There's nothing worth celebrating if you lose by 10 points. But if there is a team that should be looking for anything to celebrate, it's these Phoenix Suns who have shut down 
three of their best players for the rest of the season who are starting a lineup that is the youngest in NBA history and maybe the worst starting lineup in NBA history. Like at this point, they have just a colossal, disgusting, colossally disgusting team. And like when a guy scores 70 points and you're this deep into the season, it's been that long of a season and there's been nothing to celebrate, no, no joy, nothing to, to bring you happiness. Like at some point, you have to latch on to whatever can keep you going. And if that means treating Devin Booker like he's Wilt fucking Chamberlain after a 10-point loss, then I, I, I think I'm kind of on board with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone to the extent of fouling and all that, but I kind of see why the Suns were so damn happy even though they lost by 10. Like, it is just a really long season, and it can be a really horrible season if you don't, if you don't look for moments to be excited about. And, and so they, <laughs> they got excited, and Kenyon Martin is pissed. And Kenyon Martin is is ready to let go of his friendship with Tyson Chandler because because Tyson Chandler was cheering a guy who scored 70 points. I, I just I just love it when former players come come flying in from the clouds to to give their two cents about something <laughs> just, that happened. Just, yeah. I I get it. I get it. We talked a little bit about this last night. Um and I I well, want to get your opinion because you are a notorious gunner and you you will take you have no I'm a volume shooter, John. You are. That's an that's the politically correct way of yeah. saying you're a, you're a gunner. If you were in that situation at any level and you were getting your team was getting its ass kicked, but you were at fifty some odd points with enough time to get to seventy if your team just totally focused on getting you the ball and doing all of that shit, would you would you want that as a player? Uh, would you want your team to do for you what the Suns did for Booker? It it's almost embarrassing. Like, like I I guess for a while they had a chance to to win theoretically. Like, like he made Isaiah Thomas play in the fourth quarter, and he made Isaiah Thomas come back off the bench twice in the fourth quarter. But, like they were, they were never close. It's, it's almost embarrassing. Like, it's almost like, like the team manager that gets in and guys are like feeding him. <laughs> right, not to that extent because obviously Devin Booker is going to be like a future All Star. He's, a, he's a stud. He's a great player, but like. At the same time, there was no competitive value to to the points he was scoring. He he wasn't increasing his team's chances of winning. He was just increasing his points total. And yeah, it's cool to have seventy, but like, uh, it, it, the whole scene was just it was just bizarre to me. <laughs> I was talking to one Celtics player who will be anonymous, um, and he was like, he said, he said, I think a lot of us could do that. Like he said, I I think like if if you gave us the ball and had us shoot every time and try to create shots every time, like and we got hot, he's like I th- I think a lot of us could get get pretty close to that. And I don't know how true that is. I don't know. Obviously, Booker had an incredible game, but like the Celtics didn't care. the The Suns were only feeding Booker. It was it was a competitive monstrosity. <laughs> And then, and then the scenes in the two locker rooms, it was like like the Celtics were just devastated. It was like, it was like they lost a playoff game. And the, the Suns, it was like, it was like they, they were celebrating somebody's wedding or something. It was, <laughs> it was just, it couldn't have been more bizarre. The Celtics really took that one to heart. Like it, it hurt them, even though they didn't give a damn, even though they weren't even trying to defend him for the last, half because they're up 20 points or whatever basically the whole time like it 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 hurt them that that he ended up getting 70 and i think they took it to heart that they let the garden crowd be won over by somebody else and all this crap (laughs) i don't know it was i 
it was just so so weird. I, I I still don't even know how to fully react. Yeah, I don't want to like hate on it too much because he's a twenty year old kid who had seventy freaking points. That's 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 brilliant. Like there's there as he said, there, there's beauty in that. Like that is unreal to do that. Seventy year old kid in a or twenty year old kid in an NBA game scoring seventy freaking points. But at the same time, like that will forever be the worst seventy point game in NBA history. <laughs> there, there will never be another one that rivals that that was well it was just bizarre just a bizarre yeah. bizarre scene i mean it was 25 to 5 in the first four minutes basically and they were playing the suns came out in a 2-3 zone it was just a mockery of a basketball game from the very beginning and and then it was one of those things it was kind of like you were sitting there and you're like oh booker has 40 and it's like cool he has 40 and then he got to 50 and it's like whatever we're like he's had a great game but they're getting fucking cracked and then all of a sudden he was at 70 and you're like whoa yeah <laughs> 70 is a lot 70 is where 70's like, a lot of points even if it's a, a absolute blowout that 70 catches your attention yeah it, that's that's hard to do even with everybody still feeding you that's still hard to do uh but he had a ton of free throws and whatever uh also I, anything that i say about stat padding is is kind of should kind of be taken with a grain of salt. I once played in a men's league team that got a guy 104 points on our team. <laughs> he took every single shot, and he was he was fantastic. And he probably hit like 33s, and and we won we won by a lot. But we 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 got him 104 points, and it was that's awesome. It was like the Booker thing, but we won. We won. Okay. <laughs> well, good. There's that. Um, I mean, yeah, everybody's screwed around in a basketball game. When I was when I was at Emerson, uh, my I want to say my junior year, uh, they were they still allowed intramural teams to have a couple of guys from the basketball team on the intramural. So a cup we'd go and screw around in the intramurals with a bunch of people who you know no business being on the floor. We played one game where we won. I want to say. 92 to like 30 and i had uh what i have i had like 48 my friend had no i had 42 my friend had 50 and someone else had two points so it was 94 not we scored 94 points one guy had one basket and me and my friend just took turns like throwing each other alley-oops and taking threes like that was, that was just because we were playing like you know a bunch of fat guys in the math club. Like it just we're but we're out there just screwing around. So everybody has like one of those screw around games. But in an NBA game, I totally get everything that you said. You can't take away a guy from a guy scoring seventy. But if it was me, I, and I know people are listening, and you say, well, it's easy for you to say this, but I physically, when I think about being out there and having having that done for me like keep going keep going keep scoring at some point i'd be like nah you know what i'm good i, I really am good like if i had like 58 like that, that's good i had a good game like i'm not i don't want a cheap 70 if i score 70 i want it to be like tight game and i'm hot and i'm just nailing it and i'm taking over and i scored 70 like i don't want a charity 70 i don't want that to me that's not legitimate but Hey, 70 points is 70 points. I will say that I wasn't paying that close of attention to that. The the Cavs were playing the Hornets, and for a while in that blowout, I flipped over to that game figuring the Celtics blowout was just going on. And I would flip over to see how Charlotte – Charlotte was making a good, big comeback, and I thought this is an opportunity for the Celtics to maybe tie for the top seed. And so I watched that for a few minutes and went over back to the Celtics and they still up big. So I went back over to the Charlotte game and said, oh, you know, okay, Cleveland, Cleveland has it in hand. They flip back over and they're like, oh, Booker's got 60. Like, oh shit, what the hell's going on here? So like <laughs> I now, right now, as we record this, the Cavs are down 24, 62 to 38. Looks like the Celtics will take over sole possession of first place in the East tonight, which is crazy. That is Crazy. insane. They were 13 and 12. Yeah. Yep. It's another case of the Celtics starting off slow, 
And what they had a ton of injuries, and then they put things together late in the season, and all of the stuff that we're bitching about, here we are with the Celtics, assuming that Cleveland can close things out, uh, or San Antonio can close this out. The Celtics will be the top seed in the East in March. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, okay. Uh, well, we got one Rain and Jays question. I'm going to do this before we before we uh, wrap up the show. It comes from Sean Foran at four zero three five one. What do you recommend for the quintessential Celtics experience in Boston for overseas fans coming over? And this is interesting because you don't have the Celtics experience like the rest of us do because you're writing, you're showing up, you're writing. It's it's different. But let's try to piece together a nice day, game day for fan. You're coming over from overseas. So there's some touristy stuff that they're going to do here. Okay. We're not going to do just, I'm not sending you to Southie to go get an authentic Boston experience. Okay. Uh, You're going to do what's that? I think, I think you should, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, I think we're going to save that for the second visit. Uh, I think. Your morning somewhere in there. Look, we we like to see the Celtics uh, riding the duck boats for a championship parade. Maybe you're a Celtics fan. You've seen them in the duck boats, or you saw the Patriots in the duck boats, and you see this video. Think maybe you should go on a little duck boat tour, kind of see. So when when the Celtics do ride in those duck boats next June, then you have kind of like this idea of. Oh, this is what it looks like from in here. And this is where you go and you get to see Boston kind of from that perspective. I think that'd be a fun little touristy Boston thing to do. Uh, I think probably you stop by Jay's house in the South End. You sit in his bedroom and watch him craft the column. And Jay has told me ahead of time he's happy to have you. We'll give out your actual address and phone number right now, right, Jay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I want everyone, everyone stopping by, coming over, hang out on my roof deck. Yeah, we should have, a, we should have a podcast. We should record a podcast in public one day. We absolutely from your roof deck, have people over, all international I'm people, in. come in. on over. Uh, I do think that if if you want to have a little bit of a Boston experience, I definitely think a trip to the North End. A little authentic Italian food, some Italian pastry over there. That'd be great. Uh, I think pastries over there. Definitely got to get. Absolutely. That's that's something you need to do. I think a good, authentic thing to do for the Celtics, I think going to the fours before a game for the fours. The fours is the spot that that's the that's the Celtics spot. Like that is for the Celtics. There there is no more Celtics restaurant. Yeah, there, there are plenty of great places to go around that area. And if you go multiple times, I'd send you to a bunch of different places. But I think if you're coming over, that's the place. I mean, they had – I remember like uh, Bob Lobel doing interviews from inside the Fours uh, way, way back when. The, the Fours is the Boston sports bar there. There's tons of great memorabilia there. It gets really, really packed, so get there early. But go to the fours before the game, and if, if it's your one game, it's your first game, I think that's the thing to do. So ride a duck boat, go to the north end. You know, Maybe you follow the Freedom Trail a little bit, get a little bit of history, but get into that north end, get some good Italian food, some good Italian pastry. Maybe you know what you should do. Out of the north end, you walk through past the uh, aquarium, you cross over into Quincy Market, you go take a picture next to the Red Arback statue. Then you go across the street, you go up the stairs at uh, City Hall Plaza, and you take a picture at the Bill Russell statue, which going up the stairs from Quincy Markets off to the left, you take a picture over there. At this point, you have sufficiently walked off your Italian pastry. You bang a right. You get down into the garden area. You find yourself at the Fours, which is down on Canal Street. Sit down, have a couple of drinks, get yourself some food, and then a couple more drinks, and then you head into the garden for the game. I think that's a great day. I think it's a great Celtics day for you. Boom. 
And then stop by Jay's house. And and then while you're doing all that, listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. Yeah. Just put it like, yeah, just start from like the beginning. Go back to the originals. Maybe not the first ones because those are kind of tough. But, you know, start at um, start at the Mike Gorman interview and then just start moving forward. That's a good yeah. place to start. The Mike Gorman interview. Still my like that and, and obviously the Robert Parrish. The, the, but the Mike Gorman interview was so awesome. All right. Anyway, this is us. Before the show started, we said we'll keep it short. There's not really much to talk about. We're an hour almost into the show. So I think it's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, we want to thank you for listening. It's funny because we, we started this off. Yeah, we'll just have a short podcast tonight. Yeah. It was like, ah, geez, I don't know what to talk about. Every That's like <laughs> the kiss of death. Like, I, let me just throw my laundry in. I come in. We'll just bang out a short podcast. I don't even know if they, I'll be done before the laundry's done. It's, it's an hour later. So uh, we want to thank you for listening to the show on a daily basis. We are here for you Monday through Friday. Uh, if you are not a subscriber, please search Locked On Celtics. Wherever it is you get your podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, of course. Rate us five stars because that does a, a lot of good for us. And we hope that we are worthy of your five stars. We know we're worthy, but we're being humble. So do that. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word. And we will be here tomorrow, same time, same place, here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.